Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, November the 11th, 2022. It is currently 2.54 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where something is dreadfully wrong right now outside. Right here behind me is a window, and outside, outside, on the other side of that window, something has gone drastically wrong, and we need a full investigation. We need to get the UN. We need, I don't know who we need. We need to get every government. Something is wrong here in Texas, because currently, outside that window, it is, I'm going to verify right now the current It is currently 45 degrees, ladies and gentlemen, 45 degrees. And I've I've just noticed that a freeze warning has been issued. 45 degrees, a freeze warning has been issued. I am moving as of right now. I'm packing up everything in in the studio. I'm going to get in my car and I'm I'm going somewhere else where it it should not be 45 degrees. Yesterday, this is crazy. It was what, 82 83 degrees yesterday. Today, it is 45 degrees. That is crazy. And I don't know. I don't know how cold it's supposed to get. I'm hearing that's going to be in the 30s. I mean, a freeze warning. So you would assume that means it's going to be under 32 degrees, right? Is that how that works? I don't know. I don't know how that. No, I believe that's how that works. So I don't know. Uh, We will see. But yes, it is very cold outside. To be honest, it's very cold up here in the Theology Central studio. It really is. I, I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt. I'm wearing two shirts is what I'm currently wearing. I'm wearing two shirts. That's, that's how bad the situation has gotten. Now, that I am, I am in a desperate, dire... Okay, okay, a little bit of hyperbole, but no. But my concern is we know what happened. It gets below 60 degrees and everything in Texas falls apart. The the power grid is probably going to collapse. I'm probably not going to have power. I'm not going to have internet. I'm probably not going to have water. It's probably going to be the end of the world. No, hopefully it's just going to be a little cold and then the temperature will go back up. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. All right. I know you're not here for all of that, but I'm just like telling you what's going on behind the scenes. But we're really here to talk about something else that's really, really bad. We're here to talk about a curse, the curse of Jeconiah. That is what we're here to talk about. We have been talking about it in four previous episodes. I'm not going to go back. I told you what the curse of Jeconiah was. I told you a little bit about who Jeconiah was. Uh, We talked a little bit about his family. family. Uh, We talked about how him showing up in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, 1, I believe, Uh, Verse 11 and 12 raises all kinds of questions because Jeconiah was cursed. And so this could call into question Jesus' right to sit on the throne of David, which would call his claim of being the Messiah into question. It it, it has a lot of major theological issues. We've given you four possible solutions to the problem. We've talked about it. We've stumbled. We've, We've done everything we can. Hopefully, we've accomplished something But I told you that at some point what I would do is I would just go to the Sermons 2.0 app and type in the word Jeconiah, and I did. And there's a hashtag. 
hashtag Jeconiah. Remember, they're using hashtags on the Sermons 2.0 app. And there are 37 sermons under that hashtag. That is interesting. 37 sermons. 37 times someone has decided to talk about the curse of Jeconiah or Jeconiah's curse. So uh, we're just going to listen to a sermon. We're not going to, we're just going to jump right in. We're, when I say listen, we're going to review, critique, analyze, because I don't, and remember, I don't listen to these sermons first. What I did is I just temp, simply put the curse of Jeconiah. I think I just typed in Jeconiah and then I found the hashtag, clicked on that. And the very first sermon that showed up is the first one I grabbed. I did not, maybe, I think actually our sermons were the first to uh, to show up. So to be to be fair, it maybe have been the third or fourth sermon to show up. Uh, you can go to the Sermons 2.0 app and check that for yourself. And if you've never downloaded the Sermons 2.0 app, you really should, okay? And if you can't find it in your app store, let me know because, well, we, we recommend people checking out all the sermons there, okay? But I just wanted to find a random sermon. I don't listen to it in advance. And then we'll just, I'm just curious, what, how are they going to handle it? What solution do they provide? We're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out. And I'm still waiting for all of you. I, listen, I am, I am, I'm going to be, I'm going to be rebellious. I'm not going to give in. I asked the listeners to look up multiple Bible dictionaries and take a screenshot of the entry for Jeconiah. Right, you may have to go to Jehoi Jehoi Chen Jehoi Ken. Right, remember we we talked about that. You may have to look up that, but find. I want a screenshot of the dictionaries because I want to see how many Bible dictionaries go with the idea that there's possibly two Jeconiahs. Remember, that's one of the supposed solutions to this problem. So far, the only dictionary I've taken a screenshot of and I've read to you here in this series did not even mention that possibility. So I'm trying to find out how many. So I, I could look them up myself. I'm wanting you to be involved. So come on. I need screenshots of Bible dictionary entries on Jeconiah. I am not budging. <laughs> I'm going to be stubborn. I am not giving in. All right. So come on, guys. Help me out. All right. My email box should be full by now. All right. So are you ready? Let's just jump in. We're going to just listen to this. Uh, start reviewing it. Obviously, we know the reviews. Frustrating enough. They, they typically take uh, much, much more time than I would like, but hopefully you benefit from them. Now, in this one, I am not as interested in necessarily reviewing the entire sermon as I am. I just want to hear what he has to, basically, what solution does he put forth and what evidence does he give for his solution to the curse of Jeconiah? Here we go. Let's begin. We're in John chapter number eight. First thing I'd like us to get a hold of, verse number 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, but thy record is not true. Just like a typical Pharisee. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. You judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Okay. <laughs> I'm a... Okay, I, I, I click on a sermon called Jeconiah's Curse, and we start in John 
chapter 8, verse 12. Hmm. Okay, I am very interested how John 8, 12 is going to get us to the curse of Jeconiah. Now I am perplexed. I am intrigued. I'm interested. I hope you are as well. Aren't you interested? Hey, we're going to talk about Jeconiah's curse, and we're going to start in John chapter 8. I'm thinking of how you can draw the correlation or how you can draw the connection. I'm thinking it just seems like an odd place to go. It looks like you would be in Jeremiah 22, where Jeconiah is cursed, right? Someone else said this should be interesting. Okay, good. I, I am... I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Okay. I was not expecting, I was like, open, I was expecting open your Bibles to Jeremiah 22 or open your Bibles to Matthew chapter one, or don't even bother opening your Bibles. How many here know who Jeconiah was? I, I was, I was expecting something like this, not, oh, hey, John chapter eight, let's start reading. All right. Let, let's see where he's going to go with this. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. And, you know, it kind of doesn't matter the answer that Jesus gives to the Pharisees, because they're just going to be Pharisees. They think that they're kind of on some, we're kind of on level playing ground, and they're just not. Verse number that's interesting, only because if you heard today's focus, we talked about fighting over words, and he says it doesn't matter what answer he was going to give them. And I think, I, I still believe that's the uh, a very important part of interpreting that concept is you got to know who you're fighting and arguing with, because sometimes your answer is it doesn't matter what you say, because the other person is not interested in finding truth. They're just interesting in fighting and, and, and proving their point. And so then there's no point in having the discussion. So I don't know. I haven't received a lot of emails on the fighting over words yet today, but but we'll see. I, I just, once, once that becomes my focus for the day, then I, obviously, then I, I'm going to hear maybe a concept that applies to that in anything because I've been focusing on it. So I just think that that's an interesting concept that, hey, no matter what answer he gave the the Pharisees, they weren't they weren't going to listen. It wasn't going to matter. And obviously, there there was obviously. I think that's a very true statement. All right, but I still don't know how this gets us to the curse of Jeconiah. Here we go. Nineteen. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? See, they they always want to question Jesus. So he answers, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught the temple, and no man laid hands hands on him. Why? Well, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye see, and ye shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them. You are from beneath, I am from above, you're of this world, I am not of this world. And said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. I don't know how many more, <laughs> how much more clear the Lord can put it to them. You guys are dead. <laughs> it just seems like an odd text. I mean, there's some phrases here. Maybe he's going to use one of the phrases as the launching point to get us to the curse of Jeconiah. I just, 
I, it's just a, a weird, like, if this is a topical message, if this is a topical message, why, um, why would you use this as the text? And if it's not a topical message, it's an exposition of John 8, then how in the world do you get to the curse of Jeconiah? I, 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 I've got to, I got to see how this plays out. I, like, I, I almost want to make predictions, but I don't even really know if I have a prediction here how he's going to do it. I'm sitting here. There's a couple of phrases here I could like, oh, like, for example, let's see here. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, then he said, and uh, then said they unto him, where is thy father? Another, is he going to use that? To get into the the genealogy is is that how is that what he's going to do? Possibly, we will see. Let's continue. And that's we can't put it any more clear of this lost and dying world without the Lord Jesus Christ, the dead in their sins. But the separation between us and God is huge. The difference between us and the Lord Jesus Christ is so enormous that we can't exhaust the thought. And. We can get that, right? It's the same with our origin. How we originated and how we were birthed and how the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, it's so ginormous. Okay, okay, okay. That So I think maybe that's where he's going to go with origin, genealogy, all right? All right. I, I was going to put uh, the one person in chat on the spot and have them give me my their prediction, but but I'm not going to do that now. All right. So I think I see where he's going. I think I see where he's going. I think. I think. I think. I think. I think. All right. All right. I'm. It's still. I. Hey. I got to give a credit for a unique beginning. I got. I got to give him credit. All right. So here we go. That you can't exhaust it, okay. and people try to deny the account of the virgin birth. It's just an attempt for them to do what the Pharisees are doing in John chapter 8, which is try to act like they're kind of getting a little closer to Jesus and they can kind of trap him. And we can't, and neither can they. That's interesting. Now now he's kind of transitioning into denial of the virgin birth. So as he just played his hand, that what he's going to say, the the solution to the curse of Jeconiah is the virgin birth. Is he going to go that direction? And he's going to set it up that there are those critics who try to find a way to deny the virgin birth. So is the curse of Jeconiah someone's attempt to deny the virgin birth? I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a, I'm not saying that's where he's going. I'm saying if he is going that direction, I don't think that's fair, right? I think if anyone, I mean, look, obviously I've had some major issues with the whole curse of Jeconiah thing, right? So, I mean, someone emailed me to, about it. So they clearly, they ran into something that caused them issues. It's caused me lots of problems. So I don't think if you see that and you're like, wait, whoa, 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 that's Jeconiah. Wait, what happened to him in Jeremiah 22? I've got issues. I don't think that means you're immediately denying the virgin birth. I think maybe some who want to deny, I don't even know. Does the curse of Jeconiah even have anything to do with the virgin birth? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I'm just, I don't, I hope he, I don't, in some ways, I hope he's not going to draw a correlation between anyone who says, well, Jesus can't be who he claims to be because of the curse of Jeconiah is immediately denying the virgin birth. I don't, I, 
I think some may argue, no, even if he is virgin born, this is a part of his genealogy. He's disqualified. That I, I could see someone making that argument, but uh, so I don't know. Let, let's see where he goes. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's so far above. He's so far above that we just ought to magnify his name as much as we can. Now, there's two accounts. In the Matthew account, we have the genealogy of Joseph as his earthly father, as his stepfather, and it's according to the law. That's the Matthew account. The genealogy in Luke is the genealogy of Mary as the earthly mother of Jesus who gave birth to him. It's the human genealogy of Christ, and therefore... That's interesting. Matthew is the genealogy of law. And Luke's genealogy is the genealogy of, I guess, an earthly genealogy. That's one of law. That's an interesting phrase. That's an interesting phrase. Okay. All right. All right. I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, but you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to sit there just listening to me think because well you can't hear anything all right so so let's let's listen to him talk as i sit here and think luke's gospel shows the humanity of jesus matthew we know that was was written for or was written to the jews it has a jewish connotation and it shows in matthew that jesus christ as the king of the jews says, where is he that is born? Okay, so now, now, do you walk yourself into a trap here? If, if Matthew's genealogy is designed to show Jesus is the king of the Jews, the rightful one to sit on the throne of David, then wouldn't Jeconiah's inclusion into that genealogy blow up the whole thing? Like, if you're going to say, look, look, Matthew's genealogy. Now, obviously, Matthew and Luke complete. I mean, their genealogy clearly has a different purpose. One's Joseph, one's Mary. Okay, got you. But if your argument is, well, Matthew's genealogy is law, and so it's going to show the legal right of Jesus sitting on the throne, wouldn't the inclusion of Jeconiah there blow up that entire argument? Because someone would say, well, legally, Jesus can't sit on the throne of David because Jeconiah is right there. I, I, did, he, did, he just, I, did, he, did he just walk into a trap? Like, I, I look, I've said this. So what have I been? My case I have made from almost the beginning is I don't want any argument that takes me to the genealogies. I've got to find a solution to the curse of Jeconiah outside of the genie. Anything that leads me to the genealogy and go, look at that as proof or look at that as proof. I, I, I am going to run the opposite direction because the genealogies present billions of problems. And I know that's it's a little bit of hyperbole to say billions, but you get the, I don't have the exact number. So I will just use an exaggerated, exaggerated number to make a point. It's going to lead you to many problems. So that's why I was like, no, 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 no. Let's let's see if we can answer it in Jeremiah 22. Let's see if we can answer it in Haggai. Let's see if we can answer it anywhere other than the genealogy, right? Because because that's a, so is he inadvertently just kind of set him, himself up? Hey, Matthew's genealogy 
is going to prove Jesus is the king of the Jews. And then someone would raise their hand, but Jeconiah is in the genealogy. Oh, well, well, it doesn't count. It doesn't count because he was virgin born. Well, wait a minute. If if Matthew is trying to determine Jesus' right as to be king through the genealogy of Joseph, well, then it doesn't matter that he's virgin born, right? Oh, I've got more questions. Okay, all right. Here we go. 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 I mm, let's see. Let's see. I just see since we've already been exploring the problem. See every little phrase here. I'm like, oh, it's a trap. It's a trap. Don't don't say that. Don't say that. You're going to walk into a trap. He may not believe it's a trap, and he may have a way out of it. I'm just listening to it, going, no, I would. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. All right, here we go. King of the Jews, right in the second chapter. I'm going to back that up since I stopped him literally in the middle of speaking. All right, let's go. Here we go. Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. It says, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Right in the second chapter. In Matthew, we see Joseph mentioned more than Mary. In, in chapter 1, verse 20, it says, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph. In Matthew, Jesus appears as the Messiah. We see him as the king of the Jews, and he appears as the Messiah. And the genealogy runs from Abraham to Joseph. And all the predictions and promises concerning the Messiah. Now, see, if you think about what he's making the claim is that the genealogy of Matthew is there to prove that Jesus is the king and the Messiah. The whole argument is that Jeconiah's inclusion in that genealogy disqualifies Jesus from both king and Messiah. <laughs> it would be, in some ways, it would be better if Jeconiah wasn't in Matthew's genealogy. He was in Luke's. If, if you're going to say the whole purpose of Matthew's genealogy is to establish those two things. All right. So, because the argument is, hey, he may be in Matthew's genealogy, but he was virgin born. So, whatever, so whatever Matthew's genealogy supposedly proves, it's it's basically it it doesn't matter because of Luke's genealogy or or because of the virgin birth. I like I I oh we're we're gonna walk ourselves into a mess here. Like, like, but it's look, it's not me to fix. It's up to him to fix. I don't have to fix it. I don't have to fix it, right? That's the good thing about reviewing sermons. I don't need to fix anything. My job is just to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, like I, I, I listen to sermons like I read a book or watch a television. No, no, don't open that. Don't, don't open the door. Don't go down the stairs. The lights are off. Why are you going down the stairs? Don't do that. So a lot of times I'm listening to sermons. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't say, don't, don't. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. But he knows where he's going. So I'm going to, I'm going to have full hope, assurance that he's going to walk himself what I, what I perceive to be a trap. And he's going to walk himself right back out of it. And he's going to prove it clearly. That is my hope here. That is my hope. That is my hope. Typically in the movies where I'm saying, don't go downstairs, they don't walk back upstairs because they end up dying downstairs. Okay, but I'm hoping in this case, that's not the case. All right, what do you think? You want to make predictions? Here we go. Are fulfilled in him. In the book of Luke, we see Jesus as 
the Son of Man. 100% man, at the same time, he's 100% God. That's why in Luke we see that he hungered. That's why we see in Luke he agonied in prayer. And we see Mary at the forefront in the book of Luke. Obviously, he appears in Luke as the Son of Man, and he has come to redeem mankind. And he's come to save all conditions of men. And this is why the genealogy from Adam, and then it heads the entire human race, and then we see this relationship between the first Adam and the second Adam. So that's a quick overview of the difference between the genealogies in Matthew and in Luke. I'll get Isaiah chapter number 7, because there were two requirements in the Old Testament to be king. Isaiah chapter number 7. There were two requirements to become king in the Old Testament. And both of these developed after Solomon died. Because after Solomon died, what happened was the kingdom was divided after he died. The kingdom was divided because they forsook God. (laughs) And they didn't want to walk in God's ways. They abandoned God. And so it was divided. And in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, I'd like you to be at. Well, this is so interesting. So we've gone from John 8. Now we're over in Isaiah. So we went from John 8 to a brief overview. And when I say brief, overview of the differences in the genealogies. He didn't go into, well, these people are listed. These people are not listed. These kings are omitted. There's gaps and, 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 and there's basically like missing generations. Like he didn't go into all of those issues with the genealogies. So we've gone from John 8 to, to an overview of the genealogies or the differences. Now we're in Isaiah 7 and he's establishing that Isaiah 7 gives us the two requirements for a king. The two requirements for a king. King. This is interesting, right? Uh, I don't know where Jeconiah is going to come into play in any of this, but okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. The two requirements for a king, and I'm assuming he's going to try to demonstrate that Jesus meets these two requirements, and I, then I'm assuming he's going to then put forth the idea that the curse of Jeconiah would disqualify him because this would be a violation of one of these requirements, and then he's going to demonstrate how the curse of Jeconiah doesn't disqualify Jesus on the basis of these two requirements. I'm assuming that's where it's going. That's where logical, the logical progression should go, but we will wait and see. This first requirement, we said there's two. We're going to go through both of them. It had to do with the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was Judah. Its capital was Jerusalem. And no one can sit on David's throne unless he was of the house of David. And he must be a descendant of David. And there's always, there's been a conspiracy to get rid of the house of David. And God warns about this, and we see it in Isaiah chapter number 7. Look at verse number 5. Because Syria, Isaiah 7, verse 5, Ephraim and the son of Ramaliah have taken evil counsel against these saying, Let us go up against Judah. That's the southern kingdom. 
that's Jerusalem as its capital, that's Judah, and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabio. You see, they want to make a breach, and they want to set a king in the midst of it. And God warns, there's going to be... There's going to be a conspiracy against the house of David. That's interesting because he said Isaiah 7 is going to give us the two requirements. But then he basically told us what the requirement was. And then showing from Isaiah 7 an attempt to overthrow or to thwart that requirement. So I don't know if Isaiah 7 really gives us the requirement, but he's trying to use Isaiah 7 to show, hey, here's the requirement and here's an attempt to to go against that, to, to throw that out. All right. Okay. And these genealogies play an important role in the fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus came to fulfill. And, okay, so we'll get back to that. But the second requirement, get Matthew chapter 1. First requirement, they must be a descendant of the house of David. Okay, so let's just make sure this is clear. Isaiah 7 did not say that. So he did not prove that from Isaiah 7. He's giving you the assertion. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying Isaiah 7 does not prove it. I, uh, the, the, the idea is to be king. You must come from the line of David, the house of Judah. You must come from Judah. All right? Okay, got you. Got, got you. You must be a descendant from that line. Okay. Now, he's going to say the second requirement. It sounds like now he's leaving Isaiah. He's going to Matthew. So Isaiah 7 obviously doesn't give either requirement, all right? Even though he said it did. I understand I misspeak all the time in my sermons all the time. So I'm not being picky. I just, I'm just trying to keep everything straight because I know once we get to the curse of Jeconiah, things get convolu- convoluted very, very quickly. So we got to keep it very, 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 very straight right now. All right, here we go. So the second requirement is... Must be. Second requirement, get Matthew chapter 1 and Jeremiah chapter 22. Matthew 1. And then Jeremiah 22. Is he going to say, uh, okay, now I'm very intrigued. So the first requirement from the line, from the line of Judah, is he getting ready to say the second requirement is you cannot be a descendant of Jeconiah. Is that is that what he's getting ready to say? Is that is that so? Well, I don't even know why he started in John eight, but okay, this would be intriguing. So is he getting ready to say there are two requirements? The first one is from the line of Judah, and then he could what he could do is then show that Jesus is clearly from the line of Judah. There he meets that requirement. The second requirement is you cannot be from the line of Jeconiah. And then he's got to demonstrate how then Jesus is not disqualified because Jeconiah shows up in the genealogy. Is, is that the direct, is that what he's going to go? What is the second requirement? He's going to Matthew 1 and he's going to Jeremiah 22. So clearly now he's walking right towards the curse of Jeconiah. So clearly the second requirement has to be, you can't be from the line of Jeconiah. It has to be. The second requirement has to do with the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel. Its capital was Samaria. This second requirement was by divine appointment, and it had to meet a prophetic requirement. 
Okay, so the second requirement is it has to meet a prophetic requirement, all right? Where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? I'm, 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 I'm listening carefully. I'm thinking it through. I'm thinking it through. Here we go. In Matthew chapter number one, well, in Matthew 10 and, Matthew, and, in, and, and in Matthew chapter 15, it says Jesus came to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel, right? We have this Jewish reflection again. But look in the beginning of the chapter, uh, look here at uh, verse number three. And Judas begat Pharis and Zara of Thamar. Well, uh, well, let, let's go through two more and then we'll, we'll make the comment. Look at verse uh, number number five. And Salmon begat Boaz of of Rahab and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth and Obed begat Jesse. Look at verse number six. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Of Uriah, who was that? It was Bathsheba. You have got non-Jewish women listed in this genealogy. Because, yes, chapter 10 and chapter 15 talk about the lost house of Israel. But Jesus came to save all, even these non-Jewish women who are sinners, just like you and I are sinners. Incest, prostitution, adultery. Okay, just so just so that we know, you don't have to get to Bathsheba to find the sinner. You don't have to get to Bathsheba to find the sinner. You can find the sinner starting there with Abraham. Okay, you can find a sinner there with uh, uh, with uh, David. You can find a sinner there in Solomon. Why did Bathsheba? She was a sinner. So was Abraham, David, and Solomon. Okay. And if, if Bathsheba was guilty of adultery, what in the world was Solomon? He broke a, a Guinness Book's world record on ad- adultery, right? Solomon was breaking. I mean, he was like, look, what's the record for adultery? All right. Everyone sit back. I got this. I got this. I'm going to destroy the record. I'm going to set the all time record. Right. So it's just, I just find it funny. She was a sinner. All the other people you mentioned were sinners. Okay. But all right. All right. I just find that funny. I'm, I'm, so this, the first requirement was from the line of Judah, Dave, from the line of David. And the second one was a prophetic fulfillment. And so is he saying, because there are sinners in this line, then Jesus was the prophetic requirement of saving the lost sheep of Israel. But, okay, all right, I'm trying. I'm trying. I, I, I'm trying to follow this. I'm trying to follow this. I we'll have to let this play out because I'm. A, I'm. I'm not saying I'm confused yet. I'm just kind of trying to figure out where this is going. Three. Come on, Jesus came to save from sin. And whosoever would call upon him, no matter the sin, he would save them. Look at verse number two in the Matthew genealogy. It starts with, well, one, it traces the line of Joseph. And verse number two, look at it. It starts with Abraham. 
Matthew's genealogy, it does break with tradition and it does skip names, but it starts with Abraham. Okay, okay, good. It does skip names. It does skip names, right? Uh, okay, uh, and and the Gentiles, uh, someone in chat says, and the Gentiles, right? Isn't that his point? Okay, maybe, or maybe, maybe that's his point, that Jesus meets the prophetic fulfillment to save Gentiles as well. Maybe that is his point, okay? Possibly. I'm, I'm still trying to figure all of that out, exactly where this is going, but I, I do want everyone to hear that. He acknowledges that it skips names that it skips names, that it skips names, that it skips names. That's why I reject any idea that says, whoa, 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 whoa. Look at it. Look at it. And uh, in Matthew 1, 11, and Josiah begat Jeconiah. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't Josiah. Josiah, that, that, that has to be either a mistake or it has to be, that's a different Jeconiah because Josiah wasn't the father. It skips names. So sometimes you have the grandfather and the grandson, not the father and the son. It skips names. It skips names. Okay, I cannot stress that enough. There are omissions. There are omissions. And the argument is the reason there are omissions is because it, it the, the names are included for specific purpose and specific reasons. And to keep it, I think, is it... Uh, Groups of 14, I think a group of 14 generations, I think is the way it's outlined. We talked about it. So, um, all right, I'm, but I'm glad he admits that. I'm still trying to figure that the first requirement is Jesus must be from the line of David, from the line of Judah. Got it. Now, second, is he has to meet some kind of prophetic fulfillment. And he's, 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 the pro prophecy he seems to be going with is that Jesus will save the lost sheep of Israel, found in Matthew 10 and I think 15. But what, what is that from an Old Testament prophecy that Jesus is fulfilled? I, I don't, are you going from the Old Testament saying that Jesus is going to save Gentiles? Like what, what, what is your, what is exactly the prophecy Jesus is supposed to be filling? And what does have this, any of this have to do with Jeconiah's curse? We're, 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 we're going to, we're, hopefully we're going to get there. Verse number six, look at this. We get to David and Jesse begat David the king. Um, and David, the king, begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat, and it goes on. And look when it gets down to verse number 11. And Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salithiel, and Salithiel begat Zerubbabel. Now, Joseph was a direct descendant of David, right? Through Solomon, that's who he was through, through Solomon, but he was also through Jeconiah. You say, Brother Jimmy, why, why are you pointing at him? Because we have a problem. Jeremiah chapter 2 is going to reveal that problem. Okay, good. Now, now we get to the problem. Okay, so what he wants to show is that Jeconiah is in the line of Joseph. All right? Now, he's already established that Matthew's genealogy is supposed to show that Jesus can be king and Jesus is the Messiah. 
And now Joseph is in this line and Jeconiah is there and he's a problem. Now he said, Jeremiah 2, we know it's Jeremiah 22. I do that all the time. I'll say a number and I'll go back and listen. I'm like, why did I say that number? I had it wrong. What? I gave the wrong book. Okay, so, all right. We, we, and the reason, and, the, and you can hear, you can hear kind of some pauses here and there. His mind is moving like a million miles per second. It's, it's when you're, when you get into this kind of stuff, and I think this is why a lot of preachers just don't even want to go here. This is a lot to keep up with. You got this, you see, he knows he's got all of these issues within the genealogy. He knows that. So in some ways he feels like he has to try to address some of it, but how far do you get into the weeds? Because I mean, man, it, you got names and you got so many things to try to keep straight. It it is it requires a lot of thinking and creativity and how to deal with some of the issues and the genealogy. And you know it, and I know it. Look, it's it's November the eleventh. Before we know it, it's going to be Advent. If you if you follow Advent, and then it's going to be Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. You know that most churches that are not Catholic, guess what? You may get a little candlelight Christmas Eve service, right? You light some candles, sing some hymns, right? Okay. Oh, read the Christmas story. You may have some kids act out the Christmas story. And everybody's like, oh, that was so cute. That was so beautiful. Oh, that was great. Oh, I love Christmas so much, right? And then Christmas Day, you go to the church and you're like, hello, is there anybody in there? Hello? It's, 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 remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. Hello? Hello? Is there any? No, and because the church is locked up, the lights are out, and everybody's at home. And then if you do get a Christmas sermon, rarely do you get into the weeds of the genealogy, right? Because nobody wants that. It's supposed to be a nice little Christmas sermon. And Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Look, look, he was in the manger. Look, there was a sheep and there was a camel looking at him. It's all beautiful. And nobody wants to get into when this genealogy is an absolute headache, all right? Because there's so many issues. And I can understand because if you get into that, people are going to be like, I didn't come to church for that. That feels like I'm in seminary. I don't want that. Okay. I know you want your little Christmas Eve candlelight and, you know, go home and have some eggnog and whatever. Okay. And I'm not saying all of that is bad. I'm just saying that church is supposed to be about equipping saints and we don't deal with these issues. So when it's time to deal with it, it's like we're speaking a foreign language. We got these, we're like, wait, what's going on? Wait, why is this genealogy different? Why? Wait, why are names missing? Why are names skipped? And who are the people who were skipped? I don't even, I've never even heard of any of these people. What is going on? Right? And so what we'll do is typically we may pull out one or two little names or, or phrases or things from the genealogy and then preach a sermon. And everybody's like, well, we covered the genealogy. There's so much. I don't even know. Look, I don't even know how you go through the genealogy in any meaningful, meaningful way without just like confusing everyone. So, so I understand his, his struggle here. So I'm all, uh, but at least he's finally got us to Jeconiah. And now he's going to quickly take us over to Jeremiah 22. And then he's going to clearly demonstrate how this is a problem because Jeconiah is in the line of Joseph. And this is the genealogy that's supposed to prove Jesus is King and Messiah. This would clearly disqualify him. And then he's going to give us a absolutely dramatic conclusion and climax and answer. Here we go. And when we see the problem, it will answer the questions that the critics have concerning the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter number 22, and let's see what the problem is. Jeremiah chapter number 22. And all...
And let me make this, I'm going to be dogmatic. I always, I get very bothered. Now, I'm not saying this is the way he intends it, but I get very bothered that many cases the church has always taken this kind of position or this stance that if you question, if you doubt, if you struggle, you're a critic. You're not a critic if you're like, I don't understand this. It makes no sense. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me God is all knowing and this is the world we end up with? You're telling me God is all powerful, but this, like, that doesn't make you a critic. That doesn't even make you a skeptic. That makes you a human a human being with a brain who's trying to figure it out. I don't like that immediately you get put into the, the that if you're like, wait a minute, I don't know about this whole thing because I got this problem with Jeconiah. That doesn't make you a critic, doesn't make you a skeptic, doesn't make you a Bible doubter. Makes you someone who's thinking. And I'm not saying that's what he intends, but the church sometimes put people who question, who struggle or doubt into this like, oh, they're not the very spiritual people. They're they're the spiritually immature people. No, the the spiritual immature are the ones sitting in Sunday school thinking they've got it all the answers and got it all figured out. The spiritual immature are the ones who are not allowed in the Sunday school classroom and they're sitting in a janitor's uh, closet somewhere in secret going, God, am I the only one with this question? Because I've got problems. No, I'm with you. Shh, keep it down, keep it down. We can't let them hear us in the Sunday school classroom because they'll think that we're like, I don't know, unfaithful. Okay, we'll meet every Sunday in the janitor's closet so no one can keep up with the, you know, what we'll call it the doubter's class, right? It, it shouldn't be the doubter's class. It should be everyone should have some of these questions and problems because the Bible has plenty of issues to make us doubt and struggle and have difficulties. All right, okay, rant over. Let's continue. All of this has to do with why people want to get rid of the idea of a virgin born savior. Look at Jeremiah. See, I don't I don't think the problem with Jeconiah is calling into question the virgin birth. I think the problem is he's cursed. I don't think we're like, well, he's cursed. So clearly Jesus couldn't be virgin born. I don't know. I don't understand the correlation between the curse of Jeconiah calling in to question the virgin birth of Jesus. I'm not, I don't see that connection. I believe in the virgin birth. I'm bothered about Jeconiah being in the genealogy. All right. Okay. So here we go. Chapter number 22. And let's look at verse. Okay, someone seemed to like my doubters club idea, right? The doubters club. Every church needs the doubters club. And the doubters club, trust me, they're the spiritually mature people, all right? The people in the classroom, they're like, ah, we got, Christianity is so simple, it's so easy, and they just got it all. Those are the spiritually immature. They don't know it, but they're the babies. They're they're actually in the nursery. It's the one in the doubters club that I want to hang out with. Bring them to my class, right? That, that Give me the spiritual, like, who's the spiritual mature? How many here doubt everything, question everything, and you don't even know what's true? You're the spiritually mature. Come on to my class. All those over there think you got it figured out, you go somewhere else. You There's another class for you. It's called the, it's called the nursery. Okay. I know that just offended a whole lot of people, but I truly believe that. I truly believe that, that we talked about that signs of spiritual immaturity or maturity and, and certainty is a sign of spiritual immaturity. I, 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 I'm just, I'm telling, read the Bible. If you don't have 9 billion questions, every time you read one verse, we, there's something wrong. Okay. Cause I can't read. I'm like, what? What? Like, I've been doing with the curse of Jeconiah. I'm like, I don't under. I've been walking around the house going, I don't understand. Verse 24. 
As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, that's Jeconiah, this another way of saying his name, Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. That, that's another thing that makes the whole thing so confusing. It's like, how many different names can Jeconiah have? Like, why does he have so many names? Why, why in, in the Old Testament, why does everyone have so many names? Look, it's hard enough to say their name once. Now I've got to try to figure out how to say their names. It's just, and it's, oh. And then, especially if you're using the King James, it's it's spelled completely different in the in the in the New Testament. It's not Jeconiah, it's Jeconias. It's not uh, Josiah, it's Josias. I know it's not the biggest deal, but I'm just saying when you're trying to keep it straight, you just need them all to be uniformed. I need to make sure I see all the names the same way, spelled the same way, so that I can figure out how to say them the same way. Because if I figure out how to say it this way and then it's spelled in a different way, then I gotta, yeah. It's, 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 it's confusing. All right, but he's in Jeremiah 22, where he's looking at the curse. Here we go. Were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee hence. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of them whose face thou fearest, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. And I will cast thee out, and thy mother that bare thee, into another country. Where you were not born, and there shall ye die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, thither shall they not return. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Wherefore are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they knew not? O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days. Now here it is. For no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Did the Messiah have to come through the David's line? It did. But there's a problem. The Lord put a curse on Jeconiah and Jeconiah's line. You know who that line runs through? Joseph. People say, well, he can't be the Messiah because he's from the line of Jeconiah. If you've not heard that, well, you're hearing it now. <laughs> yeah. The Messiah has Someone said something. I didn't hear exactly what they said. Someone said something. He was like, yeah. So someone said something. I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I wish we could, I wish you could have uh, heard that. But OK. I, yeah. He's going to give us the answer. So he, he's articulated the problem. All right. An interesting winding way to get there. But that's good. All right. It's kept us interested. It's kept us engaged. Kept us intrigued. We're good to go. We brought up a number of issues. That's good. All right. Um, I, I think I know what his thing. I, I think I know what he's going to give us the solution. I, I, I'm almost positive where he's. Gonna, I mean, clear. Put it this way. Clearly, I don't. I mean, he doesn't seem to be even implying that there's two Jeconiahs. All right. Again, remember, that's why I'm still waiting for everyone to send me their screenshot of all the Bible dictionaries because I'm. I. I don't think. I still have problems with that supposed solution. All right. But let Let's see. Let's see where he's going to go. Has to be of the house of David. But the Messiah has to be separate from 
the curse of Jeconiah. Matthew's genealogy shows that Joseph was a blood relative to Jeconiah. That's his lineage. This means Joseph would not be qualified to sit on David's throne, and anyone that came from Joseph's seed would be under the curse of Jeconiah and would not be able to sit on the throne of David. And if Jesus was the flesh and blood of Joseph, he couldn't claim throne rights. Okay, so he's going to go with the virgin birth as the solution. I Look, I, I think that there is a... I, I still think that that's a decent one. I still think it's a good one. Now, you still have to... I, I think the way you you do this is because I think it's very clear um, in Jeremiah, it says here that no man of his seed shall prosper sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Well, Joseph may be from the seed, but Jesus is not from the seed of Joseph. So I think that that just the language there, I think you could you could you could say, well, see, clearly that 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 doesn't that curse can't pass on to Jesus. He's not of the seed of Joseph. Now, if he wasn't virgin born, then boom. So that so this would demonstrate why the virgin virgin birth is an absolute essential doctrine that you cannot compromise on, and any deviation from the virgin birth is a destruction of biblical Christianity. But he's not the flesh and blood of Joseph, is he? And that's how the Bible is so specific that you would miss it if you blinked. What's the point of Matthew's genealogy? Is it to show why Jesus could not be king? No. It's to show why he should be king. It's not to show the royal line. That's not the purpose of Matthew's genealogy. The royal bloodline is shown through Mary, which is why we need, and the Bible declares, a virgin birth. Okay, so I think what he's trying to say, that... Matthew is not there to show the bloodline. Matthew is there to show that Jesus does does come from the line of David. But if you say he comes from the line of David through Joseph, if we if we, all right, I'll just I'll just we'll just let this go a little longer. Because the virgin birth is the solution to Jeconiah's curse. And that's why the virgin birth must be proclaimed and must be preached because it's so important. Matthew shows perfectly that if Jesus were Joseph's flesh, then he would not have throne rights and he could make no claim to it. But Jesus was not Joseph's son. He was born of a virgin. And because of that, no curse rested on that line. And it did not in any way affect Jesus' legal claim 
to the throne. Because we have a virgin-born Savior. Now let's go over to Luke chapter number 3. Everybody get that whole Jeconiah curse thing? Boom. Okay, so we got that. Uh, let's go to Luke chapter number 3. This genealogy it follows a stricter Jewish custom, meaning no names are, are omitted, and also no women are mentioned. So if you draw a distinction between these two genealogies, <laughs> we just saw three non-Jewish women listed, but in Luke, it keeps with a tighter custom. Uh, well, let's let's get uh, let's get in there because I want to show you something here. In Luke, in, in, well, in Matthew one, we see Jacob as Joseph's birth father, but in Luke chapter three, look at verse number twenty-three. Get um, Luke chapter three. Get the twenty-third verse. You're going to use the name, well, here it is, and Jesus, verse 23, himself, began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Eli. Well, who's Eli? That's Joseph's father-in-law. And that's mentioned there. Matthew 1, Jacob is Joseph's birth father. Eli is Joseph's father-in-law. That's how you get around that Jewish, you, you name the, the, the man, not the woman. And as was supposed, people supposed Jesus to be who? They all supposed him to be the son of Joseph. But he really was the descendant of Eli. Well, who's Eli? That's Mary's father. <laughs> Mary's father. How did he become the son of Eli? He married Mary, right? He married Mary. And the absence of Mary's name here is, is in keeping with the custom, the genealogy custom. And that's all that is. All of these names, the true essence of the gospel, you could say, lies in these genealogical names. And they tend to wear us out when we, if you do a, you know, a daily Bible reading or you do a Bible through the year. I mean, don't you get to the names? And when you get to the list of names, you tend to just kind of read through them quicker. Because it's tougher stuff to get through. I don't know why it is. But, if you know, if you preach on this stuff or you teach on this stuff or you read on this stuff, it seems a bit drier. But Jesus is the true second Adam, and he's linked with the first. You have the first Adam and the second Adam uh, as heads of the human race. Look at Luke chapter 3, verse 38. I'll show you that, Luke three thirty-eight. The last verse, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Well, Adam, by creation... But Jesus, by eternal generation. Okay, so you've got both. Mankind's redemption 
believe it or not, lies upon the genealogies and the accuracy of those genealogies. Because the skeptic and the critic can run genealogical lines and say, well, you see there, Jeconias, and he can't, and well, except we've got a virgin birth, and the Bible shows that. Back in Genesis, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In Isaiah 64, it says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. In 1 Corinthians 15, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. And so we have these two genealogies that we are in. If we've been born again, we have our Adam line, earthy. And then we have our Jesus Christ line, spiritual. And this is why we need to be regenerated, why we need to be born again. Because if we're not regenerated and getting into that genealogical, that generated line of eternal life, then we're just dead in our sins like we looked at in John chapter 8. We're just dead in our sins, dead in our sins, dead in our sins. Why? Because we're in the first Adam. And we got to get out of that. And we got to get in Jesus Christ. All right, let's see if we can get back a little on track here on Luke 3. Get Luke 3. It goes all the way back to Adam, right? Luke chapter 3. But look at verse 31. Luke 3.31. Which was the son of Malia? Which was the son of Menon? Which was the son of Mathatha? Which was the son of Nathan? Which was the son of David? When the genealogy comes to David, what son of David is not mentioned? Solomon. Which son of David is mentioned in this genealogy? Nathan. Nathan. The house of David, both were descendants. Mary. Through David's son, Nathan. Joseph. Through David's son, Solomon. Mary. Joseph. Nathan. Solomon. Both came from David. And both were descendants. Mary was completely separated from the Jeconiah curse. Because it was David's son, Nathan, and not David's son, Solomon, which runs the same line as Jeconiah. Which is so biblically great because we've got a virgin-born 
Savior, and it... That's, that's very interesting. Uh, I, we haven't explored that. We haven't explored that. So that's kind of interesting that, that when you get to David, it's going through two different, two different directions, and one will get you to, uh, to uh, Jeconiah, and the other one will get you away from Jeconiah, which is interesting. Fulfills all the biblical requirements for kingship. To further iterate the importance of the virgin birth, well, there were other descendants from that line. There were other descendants from that line, except none of them were born of a virgin, <laughs> except one. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke 1, let's go to Luke 1, look at some things there. Luke chapter number 1. This requirement of divine appointment is so necessary. Only one received the divine appointment. Of all the members of the house of David, of all those that are in Nathan's line, that requirement of the divine appointment, the virgin-born Savior, only came once, and it came through the angel Gabriel. Look at verse 26. Okay, we'll have to stop there. If you want to find that sermon, if you go to Sermons 2.0, if you do the hashtag uh, Jeconiah, or just type in Jeconiah in the search bar, you will see uh, Curse of Jeconiah 4, Curse of Jeconiah 3, Curse of Jeconiah Part 2. That's, that's all of our messages. And then you'll see Jeconiah's Curse by Jimmy... Uh, F-O-R-T-U-N-A-T-O. It was preached in December of 2021 during their PM Sunday service. So you should have no problem finding it if you want to listen to the rest. If you do want to listen to the rest, just fast forward to 16 minutes and 15 seconds left and you can hear the rest he has to say. He goes with the virgin birth as a solution and he shows there's kind of a divergence in the, the genealogies in Matthew and, and Luke, and one will take you to Jeconiah, and the other one takes you away from Jeconiah, which is, which is very interesting. And the one that's virgin-born takes you away from Jeconiah, which, which is interesting. But I, I, would it really matter either way? Well, I guess, if, I guess since he was actually born of Mary, a physical birth of Mary, then it would matter, right? But because he's not the seed of Joseph in any way, shape, or form, then it doesn't matter. All right. There, there's still some questions I may have, but I don't have time to raise them now because we're at one hour and six minutes and 51 seconds. So let the discussion begin. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. We will be reviewing some more random sermons on Jeconiah's curse just to see. I'm just still waiting for the, the sermons that go, no, 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 there's two Jeconiahs. We, we, we've got an article, we got a YouTube video, but everything, uh, I mean, the Bible dictionaries that, well, I'm still waiting for everyone to do their own work. Look up all the Bible dictionaries and see if any of them have two entries for Jeconiah, and they say, here's the first one, and here's the second one. I, I want to see. I want to see. And the second one is the non-cursed one, and he ends up in Matthew 1, and the cursed one is in Jeremiah 22. 
Let, let, let's see. I'm, I'm just curious how many diction. If not one dictionary even picks that up as a possibility, that's got to give you pause with going with that theory. But so the first sermon that we reviewed randomly does not go with the two Jeconiah theory. They were like, no, that's the cursed one right there. That's the cursed one right there. And see, Josiah being the one who begat him is not even a problem because names are left out throughout the genealogies. This name is left out. This name is left out. It's grandfather, grandson, generations are missing because that's not, well, because there was a specific reason that they were structured the way they were. All right, I'll stop right there. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great Friday evening. We may be doing some late broadcasting. We will see. We'll see how Friday night works. If not, have a great Friday. We'll definitely be doing some broadcasting on Saturday. And then, of course, all of our normal broadcasting schedule on Sunday. So, Church One app, notifications on, because uh, that's the easiest way to keep up with everything that we're doing. And, uh, well, we'll keep working on this. We got we got a lot of other things we need to work on as well. So, I'm I look, I know that I'm behind on certain things. I'm trying. I'm trying to, to, to catch up and to get to everything. But thank you for listening. And, uh, well, I hope that was at least interesting. Everyone have a great evening. God bless.